You are listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. chasers of light to the purveyors of pictures to all of you listening from around this round world which is not flat this is the f11 photography podcast i am your host kevin deal along with your other host mr brandon gory uh, it's good to be back. It is good to be back. Uh, what do you got going on this weekend? This weekend, I got a whole lot of editing. Uh, where where I work, rele- we're releasing a very, very interesting, fun uh, uh, product and project for your budgeting. So if you suck with finances, we got something for you. But apart from that, uh, we're here in the in the studio recording with you, Kevin. I just got done shooting a two of three days of a campaign for a Brazilian jiu-jitsu company. I uh, I did take 1,200 shots, so um, I usually don't take a lot of shots. This time I did take 1,200 shots because we shot so many different looks and so many different combinations, and I did it on my Fuji GFX 100S. I usually use my Canon, but as we were in exploratory talks and we were talking about the aesthetics they wanted, I was like, hey, w- which shots of mine do you like the aesthetic of your campaign? And like almost all the ones they chose were shot on the Fuji GFX. So I was like, okay, cool. So guess how much hard drive space my transfer took over the two days? How much, how much hard drive space do you think I used for this still shoot? Oh gosh. What? Like 700 gigabytes. It wasn't that much. It was a 300 gigabytes. That's still egregious for photos, man. For photos. Yeah. Now every time I'm like, Oh, your, your eyes were closed on that one. Delete. I'm like watching my hard drive get so like (laughs) some more and more. I'm like, Holy fuck. And so yes, uh, it was overkill, but it's that sensor, man. You can't go wrong with that sensor. It's just such a gorgeous sensor. And I'm, uh, you know, maybe we should do a, uh, I think I, I think I know what one of the things we're gonna do in Vegas is. I'm gonna try your Z8 out, which is a brand new badass camera, and you're gonna try out with native lenses. You're gonna try out the Fuji GFX. Yeah, you know, I I was thinking about this in the shower the other day, and um, <clears throat> first of all, those self portraits I took of myself, I made a mistake by using the remote on my phone to shoot them. And when you select download at, as two, two megabytes per photo instead of the original, uh, funny little Nikon bullshit glitch is it also takes and puts those on the SD card at two megabytes a shot. So even though the, 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 the framing is huge, it's a like, big photo, it's two megabytes of data. And when I went to edit them on Capture One, I noticed obviously the sliders had a lot more pull on those pixels that had a lot more influence. And it was lovely. And so I, I got to thinking like, is a lot of data, is it sometimes too much to get the look you're going for? Because you have to do a lot more to get there. Having so much dynamic range, your sliders aren't gonna do as much. It's gonna pull in certain areas and not others. It's gonna leave them completely unscathed. 
What do you what do you think about that? Have you ever like come across that sort of idea? Yeah, I mean, sometimes it is just easier to shoot on smaller megapixel cameras for that very reason. Like uh, when I shoot on my Fuji X-T20, the files I edit in seconds. I'm like, okay, I basically get my color, my, my highlights, my, you know, my shadows all out kind of dialed in. And then like, I start zooming in on the face. I'm like, there's really not a lot of stuff to edit out. And so, yeah, whereas with my, um, with my Fuji GFX, uh, that's definitely not the case. Now, the flip side of that, of course, is that, uh, you know, this campaign I'm shooting for, they're like, hey... We want a blown up picture of the our logo on the person's arm. And the logo like might be the size of an orange. I'm shooting them from ten feet away. Yeah. And they want that motherfucker big. Boy, having a one hundred megapixel camera certainly is fucking great in that situation. Yeah. Another great situation to have a high megapixel camera is if you look at work by um now now blown up famous photographer Jack uh Brid Bridgland Bridgeland, uh you look at his work and he he abuses his pixels in his photos he edits the hell out of his photos and i think a 20 megapixel camera just wouldn't wouldn't have the give uh to do that he might honestly be using a 20 megapixel camera if he is i don't know how he does it but that extra dynamic range and that extra data gives you a lot of room uh to manipulate colors in your favor yeah i mean at the end of the day sometimes i shoot out the high megapixels just for myself because i am a pixel peeper and I, I love like looking at that fine detail that it gives me but but yeah um let's talk let's shift to today's sponsor and get started with episode number 48. Cheetah Stand is an awesome company based in the central United States in Dallas, Texas. And yes, they do have the name Stand in their name. However, they do a lot more than just that. They sell modifiers from soft boxes to beauty dishes to magnum reflectors and more. They sell lights from both Stella Pro and Godox. They're also an authorized Godox repair center. Yes, that's right. They offer warranty repair services for Godox, which up until recently was kind of an issue. And yes, as their name suggests, they also do sell stands. I'm a huge fan of their C stands. You simply pick them up and the legs fold. You put them down and the legs come out. They're robust and they come in eight foot, 10 foot and 12 foot varieties. I'm also a huge fan of their rolling boom stands, which has become a staple for my studio work. Right now, Cheetah Stand is offering fast free shipping for orders over $100, and they're also offering heavily discounted lighting packages that include lights, stands, and modifiers. One of those packages is a Godox 8300 Pro, a Cheetah C10 Stand, as well as a Cheetah QSB 34 Softbox. When you add up all those products on the website, it comes out to about $800, but right now they are discounting that package to $649. For video makers, Cheetah Stand is also offering the Godox ML60BI, a Cheetah Stand C10, and a Lantern Softbox, which should total out to about $550, but right now they're offering it for sale for $399. I put links to both those deals in the description of this pod, and they also have other deals there as well. Hi, I'm Jordan Groby, and you're listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. All right, we are back, and we are going to start episode 48, and I have to give credits to my mother for this idea because she texted me yesterday and was like, you guys should do a Christmas list. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'll do a Christmas list, and that, of course, sparked another idea for another episode I want to do 
at the new year, which is what do we want to see the camera industry introduce in 2024? We'll do a list. Lists always do well. When I go look at my YouTube analytics, I'll have a web of a, a YouTube video where it's like my top five Canon RF lenses. Those always do better. The top five, top 10 lists and all that. Today, we're just going to do three. So it's going to be a shorter episode today. We're going to do our top three things that we want for Christmas in 2023. Brandon, do you want to start with your number three, and then I'll do my number three. We'll go back and forth today. That'll be the format. So what is the number three thing you have on your wish list? All right. Well, first and foremost, I want to start by saying that my mom, too, texted me, and she was saying, Brandon, what do you want for Christmas? And me being uh, my uh, loving son, I don't want to accost my parents anymore. I don't want them to buy me anything for Christmas. So <laughs> I would like to get them things, but... I guess for my number three thing that I want on my list, it's very simple. It's just just a Pro Photo D1. You know what I mean? A Pro Photo D1. You've got a Pro Photo D1. You can borrow mine in our studio. It's right there. I don't know you had the D1. Yeah, I have a D1. All right, so okay. Brandon got number three. Wow. All right, this is we're starting really strong today. All right, so we're gonna hit the reset button here. I'm gonna talk about my Pro Photo setup. So I have a, a couple Pro Photo triggers. So if you go out and purchase a Pro Photo trigger or something that's, that is compatible that's with that's what I want. I want a Pro Photo trigger. All right, he amended. And, okay, now that I, okay, new information, new information. I would like a gel set, a magnetic gel set for the Pro Photo system and a trigger so that I can use and exploit uh, Kevin's Facebook Marketplace findings. Yes, yes. So I have uh, a B one for location with two batteries, and I have a D one which is right behind you in that Pelican case. And you can see that there's the cable for it to plug it in. So we have a D1. Wow. It's the 500 watt model. Oh, so yeah. yeah, dude. After using the Pro Photos in New York all week, oh my. Yeah, gosh. they're they're good. I mean, I love Godox. I think they're awesome. I think if you're on a budget and you're getting into photography, that stuff is fantastic. But yeah, I mean, there's just something. Uh, the Pro Photo stuff is very robustly built. It's very. Uh, it's just like a, a good rhythm to shooting with it. You get into a groove with it. I, I used to never shoot with the audible sound that tells me that my recycle time is is, is uh, done. I do it for, with Profoto. I just love the rhythm of the sounds and everything. It's a good experience. I want to hear something interesting is I was, I was talking to a photographer uh, in Austin based in L.A. They were here for a little bit. And they went and, you know, they don't have a lot of equipment from what they're saying, but they went and they jumped off a cliff and they bought a Profoto strobe setup. I thought you said they were going to, that they like died when they jumped off the cliff. No, no, they, they had very, you know, just very, very mid-level equipment, like just mid-tier, like most people do, but they did have a pro photo lighting setup. And they said that in LA that has gotten just the, the simple fact of having pro photo has gotten their foot in more doors than anything else. Branding is a thing. Yeah. That's crazy though. Yeah. It, and that's always been the, the struggle for me is because uh well i guess i'm going to talk about my number two thing rather than my number three thing because i also have a pro photo thing in here so i, I want maybe a pro photo a10 or an a2 mm. uh because mm. remember in the episode of what's in our camera bag when i was telling you about how I, i've completely redone my uh location setup where i have the angler softbox and then i have the little magnetic thing where it sticks in the back well the pro photo a10 or A2 are the same size, so they can work with my Angler Softbox. But to your point about Pro Photo band, uh, branding, the Angler Softbox is made in the exact same factory as the Pro Photo Softbox in South Korea. It's the same exact 
softbox. The only difference is his Profoto made a slight adjustment to the handle on it. Both are robust. Both are great. The Profoto is $300 and the Angler is $150. Yeah. But for some people, that logo gets their foot in the door. So they spend the extra $150. That's where, that's like where my threshold is, where I draw my line. I'm like, no, I'm going to use the fucking Angler. Like I, I will, I will make up for it with my fucking photography. I'll just try harder. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I can't. Now that was one of the reasons why um, I have a pro photo we were talking about in our last episode of Facebook uh, marketplace finds. There was a guy who was unloading um, a glow uh, softbox and I have two small glow softboxes, but he was also unloading a pro photo umbrella and it was like every that and a bunch of backdrops and a bunch of stands. It was like 80 bucks for everything. And I was like, dude, that fucking pro photo softbox news, like 110. I mean, not softbox, a softbox of umbrella news, like 110. And it has a pro photo logo on it. Yeah. I, I did buy that one for the logo because it's a fucking umbrella. It's a rear facing umbrella. Like I can go buy anything from glow, anything from Westcott. It's the same thing, but yes, I literally bought it for the logo and I take it on, on shoots and people are like, Ooh, pro photo, you know, it's, it's sad, but I mean, don't get me wrong. There is something just beautiful, elegant, and like um, higher, transcendent about tro- photo, the pro photo gear. You know, you know, it's more trans. You know, it's it's refined. Brown color is even more so. I'll never okay. even touch that. Okay, all right. Here, here's here's a tip for all of you out here. Don't don't ever look at any Carl Taylor photos in on the holidays or, or, or YouTube videos on the holiday season because like. Yeah, his his equipment. Like I was looking at bronze color. I was looking up how to do cinematic lighting for photography instead of video. You know, we just did our video episode, and I was just like, "How the hell do I get the softest light possible?" And this photographer was like, "Well, I use a five foot bronze color softbox," and I'm like, fifty six hundred dollars for yeah. the fucking softbox." And I'm like, "How can I do that?" <laughs> like, it's a whole it's a whole other world. Well, uh, Peter Lindbergh would just use those gigantic scrims to get his soft looks. That's. Of course, that's on you, my list. Of course, you okay. need a fucking crew. That's how Annie no. Leibovitz does it too. Oh, no, hold on, hold on. Okay, on Amazon. Okay, this is my number two. Thank you for bringing it up, Kevin. Because I want that, that lovely light is, uh, I don't want to pay for a, like a scrim where I need a whole like 10 foot frame to hold this panel that I have to then shift and everything. They're on Amazon for about 150 bucks. There's a 145 by 145 inch scrim that comes with its own stand. How amazing who, is that? Who makes it? Is it is it Glow? Is it somebody like that? I think it's Godox. It's probably Godox. Godox tends to make cheaper stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna butter them up at the fucking WPPI show for free shit. So I, I can't wait to use a scrim, dude. Godox is bait and switch though on my YouTube stuff. They'll be like, oh, we'll give you a scrim, and then like when you go, cool, I'll do a review on a scrim. I'm like, ah, just kidding. We're gonna give you like the seventy dollar LED light. It's like fuck you, <laughs> dude. I think the scrim is like the way to elevate. Okay. Okay. Well, that, I mean, have you ever looked up the Peter Lindbergh, uh, like his his four scrim setup that he does? He like basically uh-huh. builds a tent. So like Peter Lindbergh will build like build out this huge tent uh, around uh, like all these beautiful shots. Like uh, there's one there's one behind the seeds of Kate Winslet on a beach. Mm-hmm. So type in like Peter Lindbergh, Kate Winslet on a beach. I think it was like 2019, right before he passed away. And he show you'll see his lighting te- his lighting setup, and he just builds this gigantic tent of scrims around her, and it's just like this. It's the most. Be- it's 
it's like it's Peter Lindbergh lighting. When you look at Peter Lindbergh, you're like, why is the lighting on this monochrome shit like so immaculate and transcendent? It's because he has assistants doing this. That's why Annie Leibovitz, when you look at her stuff, you're like, oh my God, her lighting looks so amazing. Like the way it's smooth. It's like, yeah, because there's gigantic fucking scrims and a team of seven people who are helping her build it. She yeah. just goes up there with her little GFX and is like, click. And oh. like, oh, there we go. Now, now pay me, Vogue. Yeah, I decided to take three photos that day. And yeah. <laughs> you know, like it, yeah. I, I was paid a sum of forty five thousand dollars. So we've gone through two of yours. You you, you said uh, Pro Photo D one, which has been amended because you can borrow money whenever you want. So now you just need to go out and buy a Pro Photo trigger. But which Pro Photo trigger are you going to buy? So the they make least expensive one. Well, the least expensive one has some. The least expensive one may be too minimalist for you. And this is a guy who 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 gets off when he sees 3,000 PSI walls. But let me let me explain to you. So the, the Profoto makes three levels of triggers right now. One of them actually, it's actually two now because one's getting discontinued. So I would say get a used version of the Air TTL remote, which is what I have for Canon. It's kind of like the Godox one that you own that has like that 45 degree angle and you see your screens and all that. That's 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 what you that's what you probably want to get. They make one that's two hundred dollars. It's the Pro Photo Connect. It's literally a little hockey puck with no screen, no buttons. It just has a three-way switch for off, uh, auto, which is TTL, and which I, my D1 is so old it's not TTL, so you can't even use it for that. And then it has manual. So as long as you're okay controlling everything from the light and it's not too tall, you could get away with that two hundred dollar remote. Your way around it, if the light is super high, is that you have an app on your phone and you can control the light from the app on your phone. If you're cool with all of that, then you can go with the $200 trigger. If that is kind of a pain in the ass for you, uh, then you should get the AirTTL remote used, which you can probably get it for $200, or you can get their Connect Pro, which is like 400 fucking dollars. It's huge. I don't like it. Uh, it's like, it's like this fucking big. It's pretty heavy. I don't like heavy things on top of my, um, on top of my camera. So I own both the air TTL and I own the smaller hockey puck connect. And I want to tell you why I bought the smaller hockey puck connect. I actually put out a video on it on YouTube last week. It has total shit engagement. Cause I guess nobody can afford pro photo. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it didn't. It didn't do well. The algorithm didn't push it. Whatever. I don't give a shit. But I, I decided to make the video anyway because some some videos are slow burns that take off later. Um, so I only use the Pro Photo Connect for one reason, and I have both Fuji and Canon versions of it. I use it for on location situations where I use one light and the sun, and I want a very low profile. I want a very small bag. I don't want a bunch of shit around. That's what I use that for. If I'm doing a studio session, I use the Air TTL remote. And so I would recommend that if you do want to go the Pro Photo route, at all times, you have a B1 in that bag with two batteries and a D1 you can borrow of mine. So you have a two light setup. And then, of course, you can take any other lights, the Godox lights, your lights, and just put them on a radio receiver. Right. And you can use a third light. Or if I'm around, I also have a B10 that you can use. So I have a three Pro Photo light setup. Concern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but thankfully, I got most of it for cheap. But anyway, I wanted to explain the remote situation so you can take that into consideration and uh, ask your ask, ask ask your imaginary Santa Claus for a, a remote. Uh, well, what about you? What's your numbers? Did you did you already say your three? I, I did my two, and you've done your three and your two. Yeah. What's your three? Let's let's back. So my three is. I'm undecided on three because I'm 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 weighing it one way or another. So I, I built this list as something I want. 
You know, because like I, when I want something, I just go out and I buy it. Like I don't, I don't want people to buy me shit either. Like you know what I asked for for Christmas? I want a Tottenham jersey. I want a, I want a away Tottenham jersey for 2023. It's like sixty dollars, maybe it's a hundred bucks. I don't know. That's what I want for Christmas. If anybody gives me anything more than that, I'm like cool, awesome. But the things I want always have commas in the price tag. They're too fucking expensive, and I would never ask somebody to get them for me because I'm not, yeah. I'm not that way. But the things that I want. So the A10 that I talked about, that Pro Photo is like $1,100. The A2 is $1,000. And now let's talk about the three, number three thing that I want. And it's one of two lenses. We talked about it in the last episode, the 70 to 200 f2.8. I would love to have a 70 to 200 f2.8 because uh, it's a very versatile lens, but it's almost $3,000. And you know, 2.8, well, that's a, a good maximum aperture. I have a 1.8, 135, so that's two and one third stop brighter. I have a 28 to 70 F2, which is brighter. And now something that completely throws a wrench in all of this for me is that Canon just announced a 24 to 105 F2.8. That's fucking cool. Now, it's a little large. It's, the, the, it's like the same size as my 28 to 70. It's like a three and a half, four pound lens. It's just longer. So it's basically like a 70 to 200. It's the same size as a 70 to 200, but I don't really go beyond 105 a lot unless I'm at an event. And then I have my 135 for that. It's tried and true. It's proven. It's getting the job done. So, I mean, since I'm spending somebody else's money here, I guess I would probably opt for the 24 to 105. It's a couple hundred dollars more than the 70 to 200. Eventually one day I'd love to have them both, but those are definitely wants and not needs. Uh, as I expand my journey more into video, as I'm getting more into video, I think that the 24 to 105 2.8 is a more practical lens for that, especially since I was telling you they have those built-in threads on there where you can put a motor on there. I mean, it is, they actually designed it. So when they announced 24 to 105 2.8, like all camera companies have a 24 to 105 F4 that for full frame, that's like your travel lens, your kit lens. And so when they announced that they're coming out with a 24 to 105 2.8, everyone's like, oh, it's going to be like a 24 to 105, but it's going to also, it's just going to be a 2.8 instead of an F4. Well, now Canon put all this extra tech in there that if the reason that you want to buy this lens is just to have an extra stop of light, you're paying for a bunch of shit you're never going to use unless you're a videographer. There's a bunch of stuff in there that's video based. They even have, um, for the first time ever on a Canon uh, non cinema lens, they actually have an aperture ring on the back that can only be used in video use. I mean, it's literally a, a ring that's only designed for video use for varying the aperture. It still has the control ring, the programmable, programmable control ring on the front, but you can't even use the aperture ring for photos, which lets me, which tells me that Canon made this for video. So maybe they'll come out with a, a cheaper 2.8 version down the road that doesn't have all the video shit in it. And then maybe it'll be five, $600 less, but this is becoming uh, much more of an appealing lens to me for video. So that would be my number three thing that I want. But uh, coming up, we are going to talk about our number one choice for uh, our Christmas gifts. Hi, this is Chris Woodman, and you're listening to the F11 Photography Podcast. All right, we are back. <laughs> and we are having fun. Uh, we are talking about the top three things that we want for Christmas, our serious, not so serious list, because we would never, ever ask somebody to spend this kind of money on us because we're not assholes. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, but since it's a fun list, it is, it is things that would be fun to have that, uh, you know, that, you know, we're just 
things that we can imagine maybe getting one day. Maybe I'll maybe I'll land a job to get me my top thing. But uh, Brandon is going to go first, and he's going to tell me about the number one thing he wants for Christmas and why he wants it. So this isn't out of reach for me. I just, I just I don't justify spending a lot of money very often. I just don't do that because uh, I like compound interest over 60 years personally. Um, but the top thing is an entire Mamiya RZ67 Pro 2 system, including ProMist filters and uh, a tripod that I respect. Um, <clears throat> and the reason for this is because um, I've taken a little hiatus from doing a lot of photography. Uh, I've kind of burned myself out on that because a lot of my work that I've been doing hasn't uh, has. <laughs> I probably shouldn't be saying this on air. It's just not been. It's just not been inspired. It's just. Are we been, talking about Wednesday, Adams? <clears throat> no, we're not talking about. It's not that shoot. It's just. I've been doing so many shoots that are non-definitive for my for my entire work as a photographer. I've just been doing so much stuff that like, are they passable? Like good photos? I think so. You know, but like, it's just been elevated. I feel like they're all just elevated tests and model tests that I've been doing. I haven't been putting my own creative foot forward. I haven't been risking anything in my work for, for quite some time. And I, it's, it's getting old. It's turning me. It's, I'm getting bored. And so I want to put a lot more effort and a lot more creative risk into my work. And part of that journey, I think, is is taking a lot of fucking time and setting up shots with a RZ67 Pro 2 because I want that color. I want that I want that gradient fall off from the lights to the darks and I just I I want that process. I don't want to run and gun um with with a Z8 as much. Um granted I will be using the Z8 obviously for a shit ton of my work, but uh just to catch up on the creative side, I want a methodical process that that gives out a fucking just massive negative that I can play with. It's funny you mentioned that. Uh, yeah, the RZ67. Like I have, I have like lists of things that I want to get soon and things that are like on the horizon. Uh, I've talked at length about the Mamiya uh, Seven, uh, which is on my. I would say it's an honorable mention for my number one, but I'll, I'll probably wait until those used film camera prices go down a little bit more as they are dropping, which is good. It's a good time to start getting into the used uh, film camera market. Yeah, well, uh, I, I also might add that I just uh, I just set up my DSLR scanning thing. So like that cuts down on prices. I'm ready to like go into film again. Yeah, I and I'm I'm. That's something, you know, that may be something that I ask for for Christmas, as a matter of fact, is uh, there are some DSLR scanning things that are sub $500, like, they're really good, that you can just stick your macro lens on the end of and, and, and you know. Oh, don't get the base plate, just use a tripod. I may do that, we'll see. But, um, negative, well, negative Lab is a scam. Don't fucking buy anything from Negative Lab. They're hiking up their prices by hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't, haven't gotten too into the weeds on the research on that, but that's something that I'll look into. Andy Pham is always the guy to go to for cheap shit that works. He's he, he knows his stuff. But on your on your point of the RZ67, so Tyler Shields uh, and I were talking about two years ago when I bought my RB67. He was trying to give me the hard sell on the RZ67, and at the time. Because the the film uh, camera prices were going through the fucking roof, then I I, I opted on I'm gonna sit the RZ out and I'm gonna do the RB because I will tell you that the RB lenses 
like like the 180 f 4.5 is one of the most beautiful film lenses I've ever seen. You can get them for $99, even when the fucking height of inflation and the, the pump up of the market was happening. It's insane. But the other thing that gives me hope of maybe one day getting an RZ is the RB lenses work on the RZ. So I already have a bunch of lenses. I just need to go get the coveted 110 f 2.8 and an RZ body and make sure I get all my, my glass the way I want it to, like my... Um, my uh what should i call it uh my viewing glass and my um you know prism finder etc so i may get the rz one day because it is a better camera than the rb but uh and, and it has glass that is faster than the rb but i can also use the rb glass on it and of course if you get an rz you can borrow my rb glass and you'll have more options as well but so you're 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 saying that the reason why you want to do the rb is to commit to a new film camera so you can push your your yourself out of your comfort zone more or what what is the driving mechanism behind this <clears throat> the driving mechanism behind it is uh, <clears throat> i love i love the 645 i thought it was a great uh step into the 120 format world but it just it's not enough it's size they say size doesn't matter in certain areas of life, but man, once you scan a six by six or a six by seven film, like I don't like shooting 35 anymore. I would rather just shoot on my Fuji GFX than shoot anything 35. I have a fucking big ass box of, of 35 millimeter that sits in my film, uh, in my, in my, uh, my film containers inside my refrigerator. And it's like, I, I actually like end up giving it away. Like uh, Vanessa joy, let me borrow something. And she hooked me up with some stuff and I was like, Oh, here, have, have some Ilford HP five. Cause I know you shoot 35 every now and then. And I, I hooked her up cause I was like, I never shoot my 35 millimeter film ever. Yeah. I mean, that's like, I will say that shooting my Nikon F2 out and about with no care in the world is a very, very wonderful experience. It's one of the best made uh, film cameras ever made, uh, competing with Leica for its time. Um, but yeah, dude, it's just like that six by seven negative. It like, it's so palpable and so visceral that even compressed on Instagram, you can tell it's a six by seven. Like it has such a, such an amazing dynamic range and the, you know, we had a whole episode on this and we, we postulated and we talked about like the scientific and technical reasons why it has, uh, it leaves such a lasting impression for photography, but, uh, not going into that. It's just, you can tell. And I want that level of quality for, uh, for some creative projects I have coming up, um, that I could capture on digital and I probably will in order to do some test shots. Cause I don't want to risk too much, but, uh, I just, I want that, uh, I want that Portra 400 fall off and that, that color accuracy of, of emulsion uh, for my work. And I want to slow down a little bit. Um, I think that's just the direction my photography is going. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's, I, I kind of, I kind of teeter back and forth from, from high output versus high quality output. So like 2023 has been a year of me just shooting test after test after test, like shooting all that stuff. It's, if it's not paid work, it's test work. And I'm like, I'm burnt out. I don't have any more, like my more juice in me to do that. I'm like, okay, we're going to do the same key light setup in black and white. You know, we might have some spontaneity on the spot, but like, otherwise it's, it's, it's so much work, um, for, for very little like, uh, creative flow. So that's where I'm going. And by the way, uh, Brandon was referring to episode 20. So if you follow this podcast and you want to check out our medium format episode, that's episode number 20. Uh, if you want to scroll through our index or catalog and check that out. 
talking about that medium format look. And I, I agree with Brandon. Um, you know, when we come into the holidays, which we're at right now, we're recording this the week of Thanksgiving. Uh, this will probably be released well into December since it's a, an episode about what we want for Christmas. Um, I am, I've been doing a lot of testing this year and, you know, coming in the same, same boat, testing paid work. Uh, I am actually doing a shoot on Tuesday and then I have one or two shoots scheduled the entire month of December, and I'm actually planning on shutting it down a little bit and focusing on YouTube stuff for the entire month of December, just so I can hit the ground running uh, with a ton of videos come uh, January 1st. I'm actually doing all my Fuji GFX uh, lens reviews. I'm then just going to film that all December. Uh, I'm going to put out, uh, you know, my my resolution for 20. 23 was that I wanted to put out more Fuji videos and I did. I put out way more Fuji Fuji videos than Canon videos actually to the point where people who follow me for Canon stuff started remarking like, hey, we you going to put out an, another Canon video? And I was like, man, I bought a whole bunch of Canon shit and Canon hasn't put out anything new that's like made me want to go out and buy it and fucking do a video on. So um, but anyway, I'm going to I'm going to kind of take a break from a lot of the testing. I, I may I am going up to Dallas the week of like the second week of December and I may do one test shoot with wallflower while I'm up there, but that's, that's really all I have uh, uh, going on for December. Uh, but I'm in the same boat as you, man. It's like, uh, I need to do that artistic reset. It's coming up. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. And that's, so that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. You got to do that. But I guess, uh, now I will talk about the number one thing that I want. I had the honorable mention of the Mamiya seven, which I'm still going to wait for that to go down in price. My number one thing that I want that is totally frivolous and I don't need it, but it would be kind of cool to have is the newly announced, newly released Fuji GFX 100 Mark II. 7,500 fucking dollars. Um, you know, that's just a lot of money at present time. Uh, maybe if I have some really crazy job land in my lap and I put all my money away from retirement on it and I just have enough money left over to where I could do it, uh, I might be able to pull the trigger on it. But like, They've, like I said, they've added a whole bunch of features I'm not going to use, the video features, but the, the autofocus apparently is so much better on it. And, you know, you'll use the 100S unless some magical thing happens between now and March. You'll, you'll use my 100S on the swap episode we do. And you'll see that the autofocus leaves a lot to be desired and that there are points in time where you're like, I'm just going to throw this into manual focus uh, because it is. It's, it's, it's not that the... Um, that the autofocus system is slow. It's the physics behind the motors for the larger lenses because they're, you know, 1.6, they're, they're 40% larger, basically, or 60% larger. And so, uh, and, and that's actually been kind of the, like the newer 100 Mark II on the older lenses. You'll see that the eye detect is totally keeping up with the eye, but then when you actually hit the button to focus, there's such a latency between the time you hit the button and then the motor actually focuses the lens that the person might fall out of focus. And it's so it's like it's not about the design of the camera; it's really about the design of the lenses. Like unless they come up with faster linear motors, things like that, that can just really, really rock it out, it's going to be hard to uh, to combat that. And then there's there's a couple disappointments like the the shutter sync speed, which by the way we didn't talk about that uh, in our video episode. Is that is one cool thing about that Sony A9 Mark III that global shutter is that shutter sync speed no longer matters. You can take one six thousandth of a second uh, shots and you won't be in HSS. Wow. Yeah. So 
Uh, and I think it's like all the way up to some insane capturing a bullet, like one eighty thousandth of a second or something crazy, like faster than most flashes go. Cause most flashes shoot like up to maybe like a 20,000th. Most of them stay around one five thousandth. So the shutter sync speed doesn't matter anymore. That's kind of cool. But going back to shutter sync speed on the Fuji GFX 102, one one twenty fifth of a second. That is fucking slow. Jeez. Still, and the 100s is the same way. And the reason why is just it's so like it, it, it's 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 physics. It it would be really difficult for them to get it to one one sixtieth or one two hundredth. But the problem with that is, so I was shooting uh, for that. I was shooting for that uh, that Brazilian jiu-jitsu campaign that I was doing uh, for that company, and I had to have the lights on because I'm I have a set with a bunch of people running around. It's dangerous if I because when it's just me and a model. I'll just I'll turn off all the lights and I'll have my modeling lamps on and I'll get into the lighting and I'll be like moving things around. I can't do that on a on a professional set like this. It's too dangerous. I have those gigantic I have that gigantic stand with those big toes that stick out. You'll break your ankles on if you don't see it. So like I can't do it. It's a safety hazard. And so um, I have to shoot at one one twenty fifth because that's my sync speed. I'm not going to throw it into HSS because it's inefficient. There's shifts and, and exposure and stuff, and I need to be able to control what I'm doing. So the only way around it is I have to stop the fuck down to like f eleven. And shoot my 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 strobes at like full power, like yeah. one over one, which means my recycle times. Now, thankfully, it's such a slow camera. I can't have a model really flow pose anyway with the Fuji GFX. It's just not designed to do that. It's too slow. But nonetheless, that that sync that sync speed's terrible. But to the point of the episode, uh, my number one choice would be the Fuji GFX 100 two uh because there are some cool features in it uh it would be great to have the new reala film simulation but uh yeah that's 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 my list man so yeah all right here we are we're 37 minutes in we've got our lists out the way now now let's let's talk about like practical things that that you would like buy yourself for christmas that were justifiable it's, it's like a once in a once a year purchase that that you just you know splurging uh what, what what is that purchase for you well nothing on this list maybe the pro photo a2 really yeah number two on my list maybe for a splurge but i'm actually i'm actually thinking something that's somewhat frivolous so i have my beauty dish that has the silver i'm actually letting someone borrow it right now which is why you don't see it in here i have that beauty dish with the silver inside i'm actually thinking about getting a beauty dish with a white inside it's like 80 bucks for a 22 inch that's I, I really like that idea because I'm I'm veering away from from hard like re ridiculously uncontrolled light. Like I don't think I want to use silver for for anything anymore. Depends. I like silver. It depends. Like I, I go I go through phases. I sometimes I want silver, um, but I I you know like so for instance uh, if you have like an African American dark skin you know subject a beauty dish will like make them sizzle <laughs> like it's just it's it's not it's just like holy shit like oh my god i got so much post-production work and so i actually ended up buying a sock because I, I don't i didn't have a sock for my beauty dish i forgot to bring it in because i don't even have my beauty dish on me today but i bought a sock for it and i, I do want to eventually buy a white beauty dish and then put a sock over it and then i think i'll have a proper beauty dish for darker skin tones um that'll even it out and chill it out a bit because a beauty dish is somewhere between your hard light and your soft light and I have a very hard beauty dish now I want a little bit of a softer beauty dish so that's that's kind of a, a splurge purchase uh but you know I think I'm I think I'm one pro photo light short as well so I don't know if I want it to be an A2 or if maybe I'm going to look for another use B1 or D1 I don't know that's what I gotta figure out that's that's the answer to your question it's one of those I'm gonna get a gel uh, a gel pack for your flash points 
So Kevin's got flashpoints. He's got the 600s and they have these like dome uh, light bulbs and you can actually get a gel system for those light bulbs. It's like they come in like these crosses and you, you just, you slide a heat resistant ring over those things and suddenly you can just gel the bulbs. So you're not worried about like, oh, do I have to use like a barn door system where it's only hard light and there's no way to like, you know, diffuse that practically like instead you can just diffuse the soft light. Yeah, that's something that I I was it was on my Gel like soft light. that was something that was on my list of things that I might buy one day and then I just now that I'm over on Profoto like I, you know that's another thing to answer your question I may make uh, another a bigger investment in Profoto speed rings so I can convert some of my already awesome um some of my awesome modifiers to Profoto without having to buy new modifiers altogether is I can just take the Bowen speed ring out and put this in as long as I keep a screwdriver handy, if you know you need to use my modifiers and you want to switch it back out, you can just take this out and then put the the Bowen speed ring in there, and then you're good to go. So, I'm also thinking of like doing like. Of course, you could just go to Profoto since you got a D1 now. You can just you, you can just get a trigger and use the Profoto stuff. That's true, but like, nan lights. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd be interested in grabbing grabbing like some nan lights, which are like full spectrum RGB, very powerful, long battery life. Mostly used for videography, but like mm-hmm. you get your lighting set up in the right way, you could take some pretty cool shots. Yeah, I would. I would like to see Photo Deox make a RGB Warrior because the Warrior is a kick-ass light. I just put up my review on that yesterday, and Wait, that that wasn't the one where the the cord had an issue, right? No, no, we won't say that one on air. But no, it was not Photo Deox. I would say for the record that their light is awesome. As a matter of fact, they use Neutra connectors and everything. Their lights are very robust and very badass. They do not cut corners on their lights. So shout out to Photo Deox, who also sponsors this pod. So well, okay. Saying that, like, if I if I do end up getting a Pro, an RZ67 Pro Two, I'm probably going to use that light. Like, I don't know. Do you find it easier? Because there there was a time where I was. It was a lot easier for me to be creative with continuous light. And there's some part of me. I don't know if it's YouTube or just the photographer community or just how I feel about photography. But like, there's a part of me that just thinks that taking photos with continuous light is like taboo in some way. Like, what do you think about that? Well, to me, it's not that it's taboo. It's that I just can't get, I can't get my settings where I want. Now I will say if you, okay. So this photo deox continuous warrior light that gets 300, uh, watts at full power with a soft box at about two meters away. So about six feet away. Um, I did a test on it with my, uh, my GF, no, it wasn't my GFX. It was my Fuji X-H2. I was able to at ISO 400, so you're going to have to use 400 speed film, at f4.5, which on a medium format would be closer to the most wide open part of that lens. And of course, because this medium format, it's much more shallow depth of field, at 1 one twenty-fifth of a second, that's what I could get out of that. Now, that's with uh, Tatum, who was the model, with her eyes squinting because it was bright as fuck because this thing was at full blast. That's 300 watts. So... Unless you're shooting, I mean, if you're shooting 400 speed, wide open, 1125th, the model's not moving around. Yes, you can shoot continuous light with your uh, with your camera. And, of course, this is by color, so you can dial in your color temperature however you see fit, which is great. But it's bright. It's super bright. It'll hurt your eyes. Um, you definitely need to use, a, you know, you need to soften it. Uh, but, yeah, that's something to keep in mind is, you know, you're going to have to shoot 400 or 800. If you're going to shoot 100, like, you have to shoot at f2.8 or f2. Like, oh, I'd know. only be shooting 400 with it. Or, yeah, yeah. Or pushing so. to 400 at least. Yeah, yeah. So something to keep in mind there, strobes are still king. Uh, that's why you have modeling lamps. So you get a good modeling lamp and you still use a strobe. Dude, I I don't get great results with the modeling lamps because it, it, it doesn't 
show me as much as I'd like to be shown. It's that's one of the things that's nice about Profoto, though, because their modeling lamps are pretty fucking good, especially the newer ones, yeah. the B10. Like, my B10 modeling lamp, like, you can actually... My modeling lamp on my B10 is so bright, you can use it as a video light for about an hour, like the internal battery. So That's insane. And then you can dial in the color temperature on there as well. So. Did you say that was the D1? Uh, the B10. The B10. Now they make a B10X. I, you know, back to our, our previous episode where we talk about buying a generation earlier Profoto made a b10 in like 2019 and then like uh, i think a year ago they came out with the b10x which is just a little little faster recycle time but it's like a much more expensive light it's like a 2200 light i found the b10 on clearance for 1300 so i spent 800 less on it by getting the previous generation by sacrificing a half a second of recycle time and like that's really all i gave up i'm like i don't care yeah i'll I tell you what like a lot that's on the prop or yeah, sorry, I just gave it away. A lot that's on like the Christmas list in the coming years is is like props, is like it's Etsy stuff. Your, like your Mister Rogers puppets. Yeah, those guys. Like I, I'm trying to. I'm buying some chainmail soon. Some, on some Etsy. vintage, some vintage frozen bread from the Soviet Union in the early 1990s with mold all over it. Dude, if when I went to Chernobyl, they didn't let us go inside the uh, the buildings to shoot. I wonder why. Yeah, well, no, no, it's not radioactive. It's we had some we had some schmuck from the, the administration. paints all lead too. Yeah, but I mean that's that, that's all well and good. It doesn't matter. Like asbestos everywhere. Yeah, that's that's most of Eastern Europe, bro. You could walk around in like Kyrgyzstan, and I'm sure you're picking something up. But like, um, no, they didn't let us go inside to to shoot, and that would have been a great backdrop. But um, oh yeah, that would have been amazing. But no, I think props are are going to be a large part of this coming year buying. Uh, very specific props. Um, I think I want to get into um, canvassing and making my own backdrops more so, you know, having a little bit more control of the set um, because uh, as Cinemaker Space has afforded uh, you and I such, uh, you know, such a lot of freedom in the studio space, like I've, I kind of want to take it that step further and make things that are more akin to what's in my head than, okay, how do I make, you know, a white backdrop work for the umpteenth time i do hope that the studio across the way opens up for us because that would give us a place to store our props it'll give us a bigger space to shoot a video uh, shoot our videos and everything because it's going to be kind of tight in here uh come the first of the year but i did talk to them and threw our name in the hat i said hey we want we want it if it ever opens just make yeah. sure it's like very active interest so anyway well that's our list for the day uh for the year i should say for christmas and uh we will be airing this right around Christmas, and it, it may be our last one of the year. We'll see. We may do one between Christmas and New Year's. But if this is airing as our closest pod to Christmas, uh, we wish you all whatever the fuck you celebrate, politically correct, Kwanzaa, whatever. I don't give a shit. A a mer Merry yes. Kwanzaa. Yes, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. That does it for today's episode. It started raining and I lost track of what I was doing. I heard some rain on the top of the building, but thank each and every one of you for listening to today's episode. You can catch us at f11pod.com or use the handle f11 on all major social media platforms. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful holiday season. We hope you have a wonderful holiday season, whatever it is that you celebrate. And when you celebrate, all you photographers and videographers, until next time, chase light and not algorithms.
Thank you for listening to today's episode. For more information about this podcast, go to www.f11pod.com.